Welcome to Junior's Table with Apostle Yolanda Stith. This is where ministry meets the marketplace. Apostle Stith is the senior leader of the Father's House of Baltimore, a songwriter, having released two live recording albums and one single, all available on digital streaming platforms. And she's also an author with three books, Invisible Battlegrounds, JL's Tent, and newly released book, The Intercessor's Porch. Recently, Apostle Stiff started a movement for apostolic women, becoming the visionary and founder of a conference and retreat called Women Build Global. Are you ready for your life to change? Are you ready to receive the necessary tools to excel in ministry and the marketplace? You've come to the right place. Meet your podcast host, Apostle Yolanda Stiff. You are listening to Junior's Table with Apostle Yolanda Stith. I am she. Thank you so much for joining my podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the topic of deliverance with Beverly Tucker. Listen in for some insightful information. Many people ask me, how did I become so interested in deliverance? Well, primarily it was the Holy Spirit I had an idea of deliverance. As a matter of fact, demonic spirits did respond to me, but how, I did not know how to administrate it properly until I met Pastor Beverly Tucker. And one of the first things that she taught me was, you are in charge. And I will never forget that because I was giving her the story about how um, the churches that I were a part of kind of gave deliverance a bad name. And what I mean by that is the demons would be rolling in the floor and it was just a whole bunch of uh, just big chaos. Yeah. And so she really taught me how to walk in my authority. Um, Sometimes being bound to the spirit of fear and other things that I was bound to, it was hard to grasp that. But once I became free and I came into the knowledge of the truth of God's word, I was able to execute without a doubt. And so without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Pastor Beverly Tucker. I'm going to give you a little bit of my story, but I'm just going to give her a chance to say something. I'll give you my story and then I'm going to turn it over to her and I'm going to let her flow. Amen. Welcome, Pastor Bev. Hey, thank you for having me again. I consider it a privilege and I'm excited to be here and and to share on this because as I've been praying, the Lord's just been giving me lots of different things to share concerning our mind and how we think. So, yeah. Well, so, do you want me to just you want to share first? And that would probably be better. And then I'll play off what you say. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So, my testimony is I was born into a family where um, primarily the women in the family had mental disorders. Um, aunts, uh, cousins, like they had bipolar issues and just mental disorder, mental breakdown. My mom is brain damaged and has been brain damaged since I was a little girl, not due to um, a sickness, but due to a fire. And that fire caused her to have to have a surgery. And when she had that surgery, she was um, asleep. And she died on the table for a little more than five minutes. When they revived her, 
Um, she had severe brain damage. She can still walk, talk, and all of those things, but she's kind of um, in a capsule. And she's stuck there like 1978, um, 79, just due to the amount of damage that was done to her brain from being dead on the table for so long. So that leads me to this next point. Um, when I was 15 years old, well, I was an isolated child, misunderstood child, tormented child. So I was locked in closets, all of those types of things. Um, but at 15, I had my first nervous breakdown. Now, many of you might not know what that looks like for a 15-year-old, but because the life circumstances were so hard, so difficult, I went through a, a, a series of abandonments from people that was supposed to take care of me, care of me, including my father. And I talk about my father now, all is well and all has been forgiven, but I have been abandoned. Um, so at 15 years old, I had my first son. My son is Anthony and I love him so much. But I remember standing on the corner of North Avenue and my sister was there and one of my friends was there. And I remember standing there and the world, it almost like the world, the sky and everything began to spiral and turn around me. And all I know is that I was out of myself and I know now that I've been overtaken by demonic spirits that were after my mind. And so the, the everything around me began to spiral. It began to turn and it just began to spin. And I do talk about this in my book, but it began to spin. And I began to yell, yell like a mad woman. I began to yell and scream and spin. So as the world was spinning, I was spinning. And I was turning and my, my sister was looking at me like, what is happening right now? And I, the last thing that I remember in that moment was sitting on the ground in the middle of the street. From that point forward, um, I saw a therapist once and she began to ask me about my life and I began to cry and weep. So from that moment, I was um, I moved on to say to 18 years old, just move fast forward three years from that moment. I seemed to recover. But at 18, I slipped into a second nervous breakdown. Um, I did not know it was not clear um, concerning spiritual things then as it is now. But that second nervous breakdown was an indication that something was very wrong. Satan was after my life and I needed help. So from there, I began to pursue um, answers. And I think at about 20, between 20 to 21 years old, I rededicated my life to the Lord. And when I rededicated my life to the Lord, my life began to take on a dip different shape and a different form. I fell madly in love with Jesus. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, delivered from demons at the same time. I think I told you all that story. I was in the back row. Um, and then I'm going to release it. I'm going to say all I need to say, and I'm going to release it to Pastor Beth. But um, I was working at a supermarket. I was a bookkeeper. And this young lady by the name of Chantrice invited me to a service. And she invited me to a service. I did not know anything about prophets or fivefold. I was first born into Christ. Um, at about nine years old from a neighbor whose daughter invited me to their service. Okay. 
So fast forward, I give my life, I rededicate my life to the Lord and the Baptist church. But this woman um, that I work with invited me to a service and I did not know anything about the fivefold, but I go into services, storefront church. And at this storefront church, I sit all the way in the back because I'm skeptical. I'd never heard the term prophet before. And this woman begins to preach and she begins to preach under the power of God in this storefront church. And her name was Prophet Brown. And when she began to when she began to preach, there was a power that I never, ever experienced before that hit that room. I'm in the back row and I begin to yell. I begin to scream and I'm screaming and I'm screaming. And the woman says, bring her to me. When she brought her to, when, when I went to the front, I'm standing there and all of a sudden she never touched me. I am filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay. So in a moment, God delivered me from some demonic spirits and then he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And then from that point forward, my prayer ministry, my personal prayer ministry started. I love the ministry of prayer. And then 10 years after that, I met Pastor Bev and we walked. She walked me through some levels of deliverance that I did not know I needed. Praise our God. So Pastor Bev, um, I want to ask you a question. And the question is, does my, does my parents' battles have to be mine? Yes, they will be yours because of inequity. So whatever opened the doors to that they opened up or maybe their parents or whatever. This is how I always describe it. An iniquitous spirit is a crooked band of uh, workers of iniquity. In fact, uh, people think we don't deal with iniquity today. We still deal with iniquity. But the word iniquity means a crooked bend. I mean, meaning it is a bend towards something in your bloodline. Okay. It's not necessarily sin. It is basic or uh, a transgression, what it becomes is a bend because of the sin and transgressions in your life. And what happens, the Bible talks about, and I love this, or I don't love it, but I mean, it is, I like how God points it out in the word yeah. that we are workers of iniquity. So that tells you that there are demon spirits. If there's workers of iniquity, there are demon spirits that work to make sure your iniquity will visit generation to generation to generation until someone stops it. Iniquity was defeated at the cross. But yeah. Just like anything at the cross, we have to enforce that, don't we? Yes, Every we do. Okay. So unless we begin to learn how to take authority over iniquity and, you know, number one, you need to repent for the iniquity. And, you know, I can't repent for my mama and daddy, you know, they've been gone for a long time, but I can repent and get the blood of Jesus on that iniquity to cancel out its effects against me and my bloodline. And so uh, what I like, and then you renounce it, but so those are two really important things when you're dealing with iniquity that number one, and all you got, you can figure out iniquity pretty easy by looking at your family in the past because it keeps coming up, same patterns, okay? So that would kind of help you if some of you want to, uh, plus in my manual, I have a whole prayer on how to break iniquity. But in that, uh, if you, uh, repent for it and renounce it. And then again, Jesus said, you have to cast out the spirits. 
There are these workers of iniquity, I call them DNA riders. Mm -hmm. And this is how iniquity goes from generation to generation to generation. They literally ride the DNA. They come in from literally when you are conceived, they ride that umbilical cord and they come right up through. Mm -hmm. uh, because of that, because DNA has cell memory, that cell memory, if you ever look that up, that is such an interesting subject. And scientists are talking now that your cell memory literally will carry memory from your past generations back 10, 50, I mean, it can keep going and going and going. I mean, it's shocking, okay? But I can see it when I work with people because I know cultures, different things like that. And I can see even today, people still operate in, in cultures that have changed, but they're still from way back, okay? So in that, you definitely are going, these patterns, like for you, the mental illness, that already was set up in you before from from the foundation of your conception yeah. because of that now not god didn't put it in there but the enemy these are familiar spirits they follow your family familiar means family familiar they're familiar with how we act they've already been in your bloodline so they've established behavioral patterns yeah so those behavioral patterns really that were in your parents are what are being established in you because you're seeing that mm -hmm. you're hearing that it's being lived out in front of you plus you have the demonic spirits those workers of, of iniquity also bending you towards that so a lot of times that's why we operate in those things and that's why we can even have and i don't know you you've probably heard me share uh how i had memories uh or i had feelings emotions i could not figure out why they were in my life yeah and i went to seek the lord and the lord told me they were the emotions of my grandmother and because i knew her story that was like oh my goodness that's exactly how grandma felt and it was how i was feeling and as actually was concerning my children and it was really weird i don't know if you want me to share that or not but um, you have liberty to share whatever you like well uh because of that and see so Again, it's like a bend towards something, but your cell memory, which is your DNA has cells in it, has cell memory, so does your genetic code, or that's coded in there, which by the way, Colossians 2.14 says he has nailed the legal code. That's, I think, I forget what trans translation that is, but he has nailed the legal code that was against you to the cross. That's, isn't that awesome? <laughs> has been nailed to the cross okay so it's been taken care of everything that you know is coded in there and your dna is loaded with coding but all of the awful coding that he put in there the enemy has infiltrated our mind with has been already nailed to the cross so but anyway backing it up because we have cell memory we those it not only bends you to that but it's almost like patterns established the world calls it deja vu deja vu is demonic so i'm not saying that but it's you know what like you feel something think something and it's people call it you feel like you've been there before yeah yeah okay been there done that so yeah. really what it is you've not been there done that it's probably this that i'm talking about with the iniquity and somewhere in the bloodline these things have already happened so when i when i had my children all three of them i have three children i did not want any of my children, none of them. And 
I would think that is so weird because I love my children, but I can remember with my first daughter not wanting her, thinking this is the last thing that I need is a baby and being upset with it, being pregnant. So I love my pregnancies. I thought I was beautiful when I was pregnant. And so I had her and it was to me like the most wonderful miracle ever. Now, I was not a believer when I had any of my children. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know to go to the Lord and try to figure this out. But then I had my second child, felt the same way, like, oh my goodness, this is the last thing I need. And those were the thoughts. This is the last thing I need. I don't need a baby. I don't want a baby and it's the last thing I need. So then my third one came along, same thing. This was all three patterns. By the time I had my third child, I he was about two and a half, almost three, I found the Lord. And so, you know, so, but I never thought about it again because I didn't have any more children. So then my children grew up and began to have children. And I remember when my daughter came and told me that they were gonna have a baby, my thought was again, you're having a baby. You don't need a baby. What do you want a baby for? You don't need one. And those were the same exact thoughts that I'd had, you know. So she had three children, felt that way about all three of her kids, you know. And if you've got grandbabies, they're even better than kids. So I went to the Lord then and I said, God, why do I feel this way? Because Lord, you know, that's not how I feel. So that was the confusing part of it because I was dealing with emotions that I knew were not my emotions, but I had them. So I asked the Lord and he said to me, he said, those were the emotions, the feelings of your grandmother. So my, this is my grandma's story. My grandma had, she had eight children. Her husband abandoned her. He was like what you would call a uh, train tramp. He followed the trains. He jumped trains all the time. So he'd be in and out of their life and in and out. In my grandmother with her eight children, they were so poor. Grandma had to go out and wash clothes for people, anything she could get just to feed her children. She ended up giving away two children because she couldn't feed them. So she gave them to local farmers as work hands, which those children hated my grandma forever for doing that. But, and my grandma was a good grandma. But anyway, this was what the Lord showed me is grandma, every time she got pregnant thought, what do I need a baby for? This is the last thing I need is a baby. And I was carrying her feelings of despair and overwhelmed with having children, even though not knowing where to put it. And I could tell you lots of stories where other people, after I taught that, said they would, you know, and one other lady had gone to the same thing where she had prayed about uh, constantly crying over finances. And that's what her grandfather had done. So anyway, in this, these wow. patterns are established. And because the patterns are established in our belief systems of our family, mm -hmm. if we don't get our, if we, first of all, we have to get delivered from the iniquity and then begin to uh, get, de get deliverance and then begin to get your mind renewed to what God says about you. I wrote something down here called belief systems and a belief system. And this would be something like uh, we have in our families and, and, you know, we can even believe for mental illness in our family because we see it, you know, just kind of like sugar diabetes. People, I've listened to many people expect to get diabetes because grandma had it, mom had it. So we have a belief system already established because of a stronghold. This is what a stronghold is, a stronghold of the mind. And let's talk about it from the mind because that's kind of where you want to go. But a stronghold of the mind is a fortified place that Satan builds to exalt himself 
against the knowledge of God and the plans of God. And see, that goes right along with 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, bring it into captivity every thought, bringing it into obedience to every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So when a stronghold in the mind becomes a place that is very fortified, definitely becomes fortified because it's already rooted and established in our generations. Yeah. Back to generations. If be, generational spirits are the, uh, they're the ones we have to probably work on the most because they're so deeply rooted within us. I always like it, describe it like if I went out and I had weeds in my yard or garden and I, they were little weeds, I could pull them right out. But when they're left, then sometimes you even have to get a spade and dig them out because those roots go down so deep that if you don't get rid of the roots, they come back up, okay? So the roots of these fortified strongholds in our minds of the iniquity, of the infirmities, whether the infirmities of the mind or for infirmities of the spirit or infirmities of the, of the uh, body, they're already fortified because they've been in generations who have never dealt with them. The reason I believe the church partially is in the condition she is, is because the church has not done deliverance. And so we are as dysfunctional in the church, just about as the world is. Mm -hmm. And for years, I would think, God, I believe you, but why do we still have this mess? And it's mm -hmm. because we never dealt with these things. But a stronghold of the mind is a fortified place that Satan builds within a family line or within you to exalt himself against the knowledge of God and it can be like an opinion and a religious belief, but it's where we receive lies, voices of deception, and even deceiving experiences that have been in our life can establish those, those strongholds. But a belief system is something that's accepted or considered to be true or held as an opinion, even subconsciously. It can be a habit of the mind, uh, a set of beliefs, Spirits, spirits attack, establish evil belief systems. And when a person is delivered, then many times the person needs to reestablish his beliefs about himself mm -hmm. or circumstances if they don't line up with the word of God. So that's something people need to understand when they get delivered is that because these demonic spirits and especially when they're see if it if it, if it's an iniquitous spirit if it has come up from the bloodline. Then from all the way back to when you are in the womb, you've had this voice of this iniquity speaking to you to endeavor and establish. That's why I so believe that people who deal with homosexuality that were not sexually violated as children or didn't get into some open, uh, you know, taken vulnerable or vulnerable situation. But I had people come to me that have said, I've always felt that's what I was. I even had dreams when I was a little, little child that I was homosexual, but they never, even some of them never even acted on it, but that thought has been there. there. Yeah. yeah. So how did that happen? It goes right back to those spirits, all the way back to the womb, the voice of iniquity, those workers of iniquity, defining your identity, defining who you are. So therefore, as we are going through life, Man, we're already programmed to believe these negative things about ourselves. Yeah. We find Jesus, and even when we get delivered of them, you still have a mind and a brain, you know? And that is why God tells us we have to get our minds renewed Absolutely. to the word of God. Take some work, but it's worth it. You know, I have, I've, um, when I start talking about the work 
that is involved with renewing your mind, protecting your mind, et cetera, et cetera. People are not really into that. They want something that's instantaneous. And, you know, it's not. It did not happen overnight. Like you said, this is something that has come through the generations. And so it's consistently renewing the mind. And I always say it's like I tell sometimes one one young lady, I said, get a visual picture of this. I might even have even preached this. Get a visual picture of you laying down on the ground while Satan just walks on top of you. When you don't wage the war, renew your mind, um, contend, you know, with those thoughts and whatever Satan is endeavoring to do to your mind. It is like laying down on the ground and allowing Satan to just walk over you. But what I realize is that there are some lazy believers or I don't know if that's the right word, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I say for me, it's worth it because I know that I have a work to do for the Lord, not just a work to do for the Lord. I need to be present mentally for my children. I need to be present mentally for my husband. That's my first, I need to be present mentally. And I know what it feels like not to be present. And so it's worth the fight for me. It's worth the fight. It is. And I think it's a passivity. And I believe the church has to shake that off. And, and, And if nothing else, man, we're in an hour where the church better wake up. We really are with things the way they are going on now. It's kind of like, I don't believe Jesus is coming tomorrow, but I believe it's an hour the church has to rise up to her position to bring him back. And really, I think the church is getting backed into the corner to have to do that. So we're going to have to come out of passivity and we're going to have to deal with these things because, you know, Derek Prince said Jesus is coming for a church without spot and wrinkle. And then he went on to say that spots and wrinkles are the demonic spirits. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that is why he said that deliverance is going to be in the forefront in these last days, because we have got to get free, even of these belief systems that have been, even they're even in the church. Some of our iniquity can come from religious, uh, denominations and and religious foundations and belief systems that have established in us these beliefs that are are contrary really to the word of God. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And for us to think that Satan hasn't been in the church working is pretty crazy, Mm -hmm. which you know that being a, being a pastor and everything else, but the enemy literally has spirits that are assigned to establish ungodly belief systems in us. So when we do go through deliverance, because, you know, in our brain, we have neural pathways and neurotransmitters, but I, the neural pathways always remind me of walk, driving down an old road until the, the car begins, you know, you got those ruts in the, in the road. And so you have to pull the, the wheel up out of that because you got ruts and you'll be dragging the bottom of your car. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what because we don't renew our mind we're dragging along through life and we need to pull ourselves up out of those ruts and those things have been established in the neural pathways a lot of times we'll just go a certain path because those things are already established in the neural pathways so once you get those neural pathways cleaned out through deliverance and i'm not saying the neural pathways are habits patterns belief systems all of these things that get lodged into that that once that happens 
then we need to put in new thoughts, new things and th that will line up with the word of God. And we need to come out of the identity that the enemy has endeavored to establish and the belief systems he's established and come to alignment with what God has. Thanks for listening to Junior's Table with me, your host, Apostle Yolanda Stith. If you like our show or would like to know more about us, check out our products and our ministry. Please visit YolandaStith.com. It's been a blast hanging out with you all today. I hope that teaching blessed you. Tell people about how this teaching has blessed your life. Lastly, ask other listeners that may be interested in the teaching that you have heard today to follow us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to form a family with you. God bless you.